<coughs> to thank Rabbi and Rabbitson Tarragon for all the work that was put into this. I know it's, a, it's very hard to coordinate so many different people and time and everything. It's very, very hard. I know the reverberations of Adam Lavamaka being felt in the old city because there were a lot of neighbors that were complaining. So I, ho- I felt very bad. I, I hope that after we left, you didn't have aggravation from some of the chevers there. You'd be happy to do it again. <laughs> it was beautiful. Can't hear? Okay. To thank also, of course, the Chavir here in Israel. I really want to just set a certain tone for what is to follow. There's an unbelievable array, a very, very special. Mechanchim, Mechanchos, Rabbanan, Rabbisons, and so on, that are going to enter into the particulars of today's topic. Since this is the Psicha, the opening, I really just want to create a certain mood to try to create a certain hergish, a certain atmosphere. And because of that, I hope to keep it very simple. I'm not handing out marmakoimus, it's not a shia. It's a little bit min halev, el halev. I'll mention some places where those who are interested in the marmakoimus can look. And let's learn together. Summer Tavshin Ayin Zayin, where we are. The Gemaritzen Hedden Dafkuf Vav Amadbeis is dealing with two extraordinary people, mysterious people, Doeg and Achitofel, who are astonishing Talmud Chacham, perhaps the greatest scholars of the generation. Over Cholzos, the Gemara tells us over there, Lavisalkel who Shmaitz Alib that despite their greatness, despite the greatness of Doeg and Achitofel, Lahavasalkil who Shmait Salid the Hilchasa means they didn't reach the correct halachic conclusions in their learning. And what's most fascinating, remember this is before there was any codification of halacha, long before. Long before there was such a thing as the Rif or the Rambam. And what's most fascinating is the reason the Gemara gives is why they could not reach the accurate halachic conclusions of all their great pilpul and their learning. What was missing, the Gemara says, the chsiv, soid Hashem liyereyev. Soid Hashem liyereyev, that the secret of Hashem is made known to those who fear, who fear Hashem, or God-fearing people. So there was something lacking in the Yerash of Doeg and Achitofel at that time on their level. And because of that, they were unable to come to the halacha of their learning to come to come to the Said Hashem. So what's fascinating is the Gemara is telling us 
that to learn and to reach the halachic conclusion, that's called Said Hashem, the secret of God. Now, of course, everybody here knows that when it comes to halacha, there's a very, very basic, important principle that what? Torah law? It's just the opposite. We're not seeking any types of secrets. So, Said Hashem. As the Sheikh Schmeitzer writes in his famous introduction and so on, there are many, many discussions of this in this forum. Halacha is something which we have to come up with over here, in this world. The Torah is not in heaven. So what's the Said Hashem? La suke shmait saliba de To come to the halacha of the learning. So the Groh, the Vilna Goyen, and Nevin Shlomo, in the Perikud Aleph's Eve Tess, writes the following. Behold, Dor Vador, Shoylite Mida Acheres, Mimi Doisev Shel Kalish Baruchu, Shaman Higbehem Oilam. The Goyen says that in every generation, Hashem guides the world and all that takes place in the world, the Mida Acheres, with a different Mida. With a different meter that dominates that generation. And because of that different meter of each generation, means that the nature, the characteristics, the personality of the people of that generation is different from an earlier one or a later one. And everything that takes place in that generation, and the Anhogis, and the leaders of the generation, is according to that Midah which illuminates that particular time, that particular generation. Which is not the same as last generation, or what's going to be the next generation. This is discussed in great depth. In the writings of the Ramchal and Adir Bamarum, those who have Adir Bamarum, most of you would have the Friedlander edition, page Ayin to Ayin Aleph. Dal Rebbe, the Balatanya, and Tyra Oren, Megillus Esther, speaks of this as well. And he writes how in every generation, the Gilui of Elokus, the way that godliness is revealed, is different. In each generation, and he ends and says, Ad Shibadaris Halolu. Rebbe said, Ad Shibadaris Halolu, in our generation, in our time. Iker Gilui Elokus, Kuba Mitzvah's Gemilas Chasal. The primary way that Elokus, the godliness, is revealed at the end of time is through kindness. Not Torah, not Avaida, but rather through Gemilas Chasal. Not to say we don't learn and we don't daven. But the Ikan Hagen, the Mida, the Tanya said of his time that illuminated the world and influenced all that took place in our lives at that time is the Mida of Gemilas Chasadim. It's the side of Mogain Avra. The Chasima, the conclusion of the Bracha of the Ovis is Mogain Avram. Avram is the Mida of Chasim. So what is this Said Hashem Liyireya? What's the secret of God to reach the accurate halachic conclusion? Shmait Salib the Hilchasim. 
It means, like it says in Chumash, Binu A person has to contemplate very deeply the nature of the generation of the time that he's living in. Because the Torah simply will not be absorbed, will not be received. Yiddishkeit will not be appreciated, will not be loved, will not be learned, will not be lived. If it's not in accordance to the Midah of that time, Yiddishkeit simply won't work. And that is the deeper meaning of Rabbi Nei Yisoscher, Yoidei Bina Le'itim, Ladas Mayas Yisrael. The Bnei Sosa, the leaders of the Jewish people, the great scholars, the great Talmud Chachamim, are not just great because they're, because they're brilliant scholars, but they're Yodei Bina Le'itim, which means they understand with great depth the ace, the time that they're in. Yodei Bina Le'itim, Ladas Mayas Yisrael. And because of that, they're able to know how to guide the Jewish people. Adas Mayasi Yisrael. That means that every single Rebbe, every single Murrah, every single mother, every single father must enter deeply into the Sayyid Hashem. This is the secret of God. To come to the correct halachic conclusion, we're not talking here about as if in Mishnabur, we're not talking about in the Torah Shulchan Aruch. The Sayyid Hashem Li'erev is required to understand And if you're still talking about what works for you in 1972 and you're insisting that that should work for your kid and your grandson or granddaughter in 2017 you might be as brilliant as Doeg and Achitofel but you don't get it. You're not in the category of those who are suke shmaitz alid b'hilchasa who understand the soyd Hashem liyirei. The soyd Hashem liyirei means to be yoydeya bina liyitim. What is it that's happening now? What is the Torah that the kids need now? What is the way of davening that we need? What is that we need for our families to concentrate on it now? According to what the Gros says, that in every generation there's a different mead, it's a different anhagah. I heard from a, from a chassid from Dora Park, who's a chassid of one of the great tzaddikim of our generation, a very hidden and quiet person, the Rachel Skrivke Rebbe in Dora Park. Rebbe Yitzchak Chai Tversky. And this chassid said that he brought, there was a, a chassid that came from Eretz Yisrael, who was a real old-style chassidish yid, and he brought, he knew this person, he brought him to introduce him to the Rebbe, to the Rachim Stifke Rebbe. And the way that he introduced him was by paying that which is considered among the Chassim to be a great compliment. And he said, Rebbe, this is so-and-so, whatever the guy's name is, Chan Yankel, as a Fatsaita Shechosid. How do you translate a Fatsaita Shechosid? Like an old-time Chosid, like the real McCoy from the old days. As a Fatsaita Shechosid. An old-fashioned, an old-style Chosid. So it was right before Pesach, and the Rachel Stufke Rebbe said to him, In my Haggadah it says, Mitchila Oivde Avadazar Hayu Avasein. The Fatsait in the old days, our ancestors worshipped idols. But Va'achshav, Kervon Hamokim Lavadosa. 
I'm not interested if you tell me that he's a fatzaitische chose, he's an old style chose. The question is, does he understand the achshav? Does he understand how to draw close to Hashem and bring others to God? The achshav right now. The fact that he lives in the past. Like Lahavdo in the poem in Rechivi, some of you might recall. My wife has often accused me of being a person who would prefer to live at the time of the Balshemta of the Kedushas Levi, which is probably true. But our responsibility, our obligation, is to enter into Sayyid Hashem Liyireyev, La Sukeh Shmaitza Liba De Hilchasa, and to be Jews who are Yoidei Itim, Binush Nais Dor Vador. So the Tzaddikim who are Yoidei Itim, the great Tzaddikim, not every great person is Yodei Itim. But the Tzaddikim or Yodei Itim revealed this is found particularly in the writings of the great Tzaddik after whom our shul is named the Piyazetzna, Tzchus Yergelenu, the Eish Kardash that something changed dramatically after World War I. And that change that took place accelerated and intensified after the Holocaust. And the Rebbe writes in a number of places, and many other tzaddikim spoke of it, about this, that the midah with which Hashem is manhig the world, beginning in earnest after World War I, is Bahava uberotzen v'simcha v'sosim. Bahava uberotzen, I don't have to translate the words. Bahava uberotzen v'simcha v'sosim. Ahava, love, simcha and sosim and joy. And the Rebbe explains that in earlier times, the Ika Mida which Ruth Hashem was running the world before World War I was the Mida of year, of fear, of discipline. That was the Ika Hamida, the Mida of Gevurah, that guided creation until that time. The Lloyd After World War I, the Rebbe didn't live through World War II, he was killed, of course, in the Holocaust. But all of his writings are extraordinarily modern and progressive. And his method of teaching of education is very much 21st century. This didn't only change by Am Yisrael. In the entire world, this changed. There was Shirayim still of that way of teaching and raising a family back in the 50s and the 60s, where the Ikki was discipline, yearning, awe, and fear, which are very precious meters and holy meters. But the Akshav, but now, you could scream and kick and yell from Heidbiz Morgan, why is this? How can this happen? I'm still holding out in the old way. I'm not going to change. My father was like this. My grandfather was like that. Rabbi Yaakov Meir one of the great tzaddikim in Yerushalayim, I heard that there was a, a Maisa, that someone came and told him that there was a Rebbe in one of the Chadorim, there was a Rebbe in the Chedor in Meir that was still using their hand. They were still hitting the boys. And the Rebbe, rather Rabbi Yaakov Meir wanted to speak to him, and he told them to bring this person to him. And Yaakov Meir said, is it true? I hear that you're hitting the boys. So the man was very proud. He says, yeah. 
He said, my father was a Rebbe, it was a Malam in Yerushalayim, and my grandfather, they were all Malam in Yerushalayim. And I go to exactly where my father and my grandfather went. So Yaakim Meshechta said, Azoi. And that was all he said, Azoi. By the time this guy got home, there were a couple of Hasidim that were taking the refrigerator and other appliances out of his house. And his wife was just crying and saying, well, they, and he came in and he said, what are you doing here? And the Hasidim said that Yaakim Meshechta sent us to take out your appliances. So the guy goes running back to Rabbi Yaakov Meishachter, and he says, is it true, Rabbi, that you sent the chassidim to go take out my, my refrigerator, my oven? And Rabbi Yaakov Meishachter said, oh, the, 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 your father didn't have a refrigerator, and the Zayi didn't have a refrigerator. I didn't think it was right that you should have a refrigerator either. As a you understand, he still beats up the kids. This midah is what I want to talk about now. The midah which dominates our generation and which is necessary in order for us to be successful in school with our children and successful with our families at home. The midah of Simch. I'm not going to concentrate right now on Ahav, I want to concentrate on Simch. Listen carefully, I'm going to try to compress around three hours worth of material in a few minutes. Every single person, every single Jew, is born with a simcha tivis, with a natural joy, with a natural simcha. A child does not have to have a particular reason to feel happy. It didn't have to have a compliment from a friend. It didn't have to have something particularly great happen to him or to her. Because there's a simcha tivis that a child is born with. And before the child absorbs the sadness of life from his parents and from those around him, the child doesn't even know how to walk. Those of us who are blessed to have children, Baruch Hashem, and grandchildren, one of the most beautiful things about a child is that the child doesn't walk, he's always dancing, he's always running. And when the child talks, it's not the way that we talk. When we talk, when adults talk, there's also a certain niggin. But the niggin is a niggin that's sad. It's depressing. Not everybody, but there are many, many people that talk with a depressing niggin. You know how in every tzibur there's always a person or two that with the second you come to shul, they, they come over to you and say, did you hear what happened? And you say, no, I didn't hear what happened. You didn't hear that Yantel Salonsa had a heart attack, he dropped dead. You didn't hear? No, shkoyl, thank you for the good news. Every shul has like a grim reaper, you know what I mean? <laughs> that person that's always the bearer of terrible tidings, that just everything in his life is heavy and depressing. Children are so far from that. Children beteva, until we ruin them, until we destroy, until we break that natural joy and happiness, that's the teva of a human being, children are skipping and dancing and happy. I've told this story in Shul a few times. When my youngest daughter, Shifi, many, many years ago, she brought Hashem, she got married a few months ago, many, many years ago, we were walking together. It was, we had to, I had to be in some office somewhere, and it was a very scary neighborhood. It wasn't the kind of place that people that looked like me or you frequent. And it was a scary place. And it was already getting dark, and it was, it was just Shifi and I, and we were walking, and I'm squeezing her hands so tight, she's going out. She's not afraid, I'm afraid, because I know what's going on over there. And sure enough, all of a sudden, the guy turns the corner, he looked like, like a building. And he had, you know, that scary thug look on him. 
and it was just us. And I was squeezing Shifi's hand, and I'm trying to think, should I cross the street, but I might get him upset, you know? These are the thoughts that Jews have in New York City. It's better now than it used to be. And, I'm, and I decided, no, I'm just going to try, and I, I said, ain't Omilvado, and I'm holding Shifi, and she's skipping next to me. She's not afraid of this guy. Who knows what this guy has been through, and who knows what he's put other people through. And as we're coming close to him, I have my eyes down, and Shifi just says, hi, and she waves to him. And he looked at her with the sweetest, sweetest smile. I don't know if it was the last time he heard such a word as hi, from a little kid. And he just looked at him, and he was so beautiful how he smiled, and he went like this, hi. <laughs> and he looked at me, and he said, this cute little girl. I said, thank you. Children don't have this Indian of sadness. Rav Cook writes in Ein Ayon Shabbos, the first volume, page 118. Simcha is a natural mida of a person. A person who is emotionally healthy. Will always be happy, will always be always Aliz Visameach, Vizoisiat Surah Hativis Shalhanefesh Habriya. This is the Surah Hativis, the natural state of an emotionally healthy human being left alone. A person is Bisimcha Tonit, is always naturally in that state of joy. Therefore, what a human being detests most is to be in the company of people who are depressing, to be in the company of people who are worried, who are sad, who are constantly crashing. Tension, mitichut, tension, and an overbearing type of seriousness is the v'nahapach, who is the heipach, of Helukim also as Adam Hayosh, as Adam Yosh. Hashem created man as we just learned. Everyone was created with a natural joy, a natural simcha. A child is simcha, as the morale explains in many places, that simcha comes primarily from a feeling of shleimus, of wholeness. So the child is always in a place of, in a place of shleimus. Because the child is shalom in ma'isim. Even if the kid did something wrong, he doesn't get depressed about it. The child feels whole because he's not broken, he's not torn in half by guilt, by regret, like we are. So since the child is in the place of shleimus, so that natural simcha shines in him. It's that way with the tzaddikim also. The Pasik says, in Mishlei, in Perkut Gimel, or at Sadikim Yismach, or at Sadikim Yismach, the light of the Tzadik brings not only joy to himself, but joy to everybody who is with him. Ad Kedekach, that when Yosef at Tzadik was in the jail in Mitzrayim, which was a very, very dark and depressing and dangerous place, 
when it came time, it was a few days before there was going to be the big judgment, the Saramashk and the Sarahim, and they knew that they were in danger of getting killed. And nevertheless, Yosef at Sadiq was wondering, you know, Madu Panechem Roim, why are they sad? What kind of a question is it why you sin? I'm most likely going to be executed in three days from now. So Nosan Breslovis says, because in the Mechisa of the Tzaddik, even in that prison, those who were privileged to be with Yosef at Tzaddik was Oiz Vechedva Bimkaima. He brought light, he brought simch, he brought joy. I explained yesterday morning in the Drosha, the Moshevin who says to Karach, Boikiv Yoyda Hashem, Sashalai, Boikiv, the Tzaddik, the Tzaddik, as Lubav Trevi said this, what, this is the outside on Tuesday, Boikiv Yoyda Hashem, the Tzaddik is like the morning. Nothing changed from the night. Everything is the same as it was at night. But when the Tzaddik walks into the room, everything begins to shine. Everything comes alive. That's why people enjoy the company of children. And the company of the tzaddik. That's why even that person, who I don't know, and I shouldn't judge by the fact that his parents were halfway down to the floor, but even that person, who might otherwise not be a happy-go-lucky person, appreciates the company of a child, appreciates the simple, innocent joy of a child. Now, a person who is superficial, a shidchistic person, a superficial person thinks... And some of you might be thinking this right now, I hope not, but some of you might be thinking, listen, there are some people in the world who are happy. That's their teva. And there are other people in the world who are sad, who are heavier types of people, but teva by nature. That's simply not true. That way of understanding human nature is not Jewish. The thought that a person has to acquire joy, kilo is something which is unnatural. To try to develop a taste, like for a glass of schnapps, to develop a taste for simcha. And that he's not naturally for simcha, that's simply a mistake, it's not true. Simcha is a need of the soul. It's the tchunz nefesh, particularly of a Jew whose neshama comes, mamish from Gan Eden. That's where you and I come from. A place that's mamish, always vechad vebemkaimi, with the malachim are singing, or malachim yechapeizim, chilurad yechazin in the presence of the bari olam. And this is exactly what the Sefer Chinuch writes in the midst of Sholosh Regal. The Chinuch writes the following: the fish adam nachain al inyan shetzarich lesmarach leprak. It's natural that a person needs, a person needs to rejoice really all of the time, but if not all of the time, then at least that there should be times in his life that are set aside to focus on Simcha. Listen to these words. The same way that a person needs to eat, and he needs to rest, and he needs to sleep, a person can only thrive and be healthy when there's Simcha. The Chinuch says this is the time, the Shurish HaMitzvah of Aliyah Leregel and Simchas HaRegolim of Yontiv, Simchas Yontiv. The Chinuch writes, These times, 
that even the person who normally walks around with a long face, in that unnatural, distraught state of depression, cover lanu zmanim, v'yimotze lanu trufa gedar that Hashem has given us the yom and tovim and shabbos as days that are have the ability to bring great remedy to this unnatural sickness, this distortion of sadness. Again, Mary McCormick, for those who are interested, Tanya Perchavov, Lukutu Marantinyon, Simon Yud, Rav Kuk, and Eidra Yoker, his Mimer, Ha'enig Vazimcha, the Rebbe Rashad from Lubavitch, the entire Mimer, Samech, Tesamach, Tofresh, Nun Zayn. All are speaking about the very same Yisoy, each one in his own way, each Sadiq in his own way, the Yisoy that we're talking about right now. So now, where are we? Tavshin Ayin Zayin, parents are busy packing the the trunks, I know they're not trunks anymore, but the bags, the suitcases. The kids to go off to camp. The kids have been chalishing to go to camp the entire year. Even when we were children, we used to, we used to sing, uh, what was the song? No more rulers, no more books. You remember how it goes? No more pencils, no more books, no more, no more teachers, dirty looks. So we're at that time right now. That's where we're holding right now. In that funny place in between, in between Gehenim and Ganeiden, right? <laughs> so it's that funny spot in between school and camp. For those who are able to go, not everybody could afford that, but for those children who are able to get away, it's a wonderful thing. So listen to this sentence from the Holy Beisachar from Ishbitz, the son of the Meshilach, in Pashas Bishal. So you remember they came to that place and the water was bitter. And they couldn't drink the water, right? And they were leaving Israel. The Beisanke writes the following. They lost that feeling of simcha, of joy, and cheshek. Cheshek, desire, cheshek, rotsen, you know what it means. Vispalu and they were wondering about themselves. Mazais, what happened? They were wondering, we have the same information that we had a short while ago. We knew everything. Meaning, all the Torah that they heard leaving Mitzrayim and the songs of Kriyas Yamsuf, they knew the fact and they experienced Yitzhiyah's Mitzrayim. And they remembered going into the ocean when the ocean split. The same way they knew this yesterday. So what changed today? So the Rebbe writes, You see, you could have all the curriculum down pat. You could have the most talented teacher who is able to teach the information and inform the students. You could have parents that are brilliant and they're extraordinarily informative. But the problem is as follows. Even though the Jews that were leaving the tribe, they were looking at themselves and they knew everything. In other words, they mastered the curriculum, they got A plus on the final of the Yitzhak's 
Listen to the words. Yesterday, it wasn't just that they knew something like some cold piece of information. All of the ideas, whatever they knew, wasn't just something that was cold, something that was of the intellect. It was alive within them. That piece of information was If any one of you have had a teacher like that once in your life, you can't forget it. You can't forget it. Where it wasn't just the ideas, but it was And for whatever reason right now, they felt that what we knew yesterday is, we still know it. But it's not alive anymore. Without simcha, without cheshev. And that is the meaning of Vayavau Marosa. And they came to that place that's called Mora. Marosa, they came to Mora. Mayim is always a symbol of what, Rabbi Isai? Torah, the Gemara says in Bava Kamadaf Yud Zayim, on the post called Samar Luchulamayim, Ein Mayim, Ela Torah. So the Rebbe says, marosa. The time you'll see, the Rebbe says, that many, many Jews are going to come to the best yeshivas. And they're going to be raised in the finest from families. But But they will not want to drink the waters of Torah. They will not be able to absorb the Torah, to drink the waters of Torah. Why? Mr. Koska says that they themselves have become embittered by the bitterness of the way the waters are being given over to them. Out of 1958, 1969, 1973, and so on. And those teachers who are still in 1975, they're the whole time saying, but it worked for me. It worked for me. I'm a fatzai to Shemalam. You and the kids were maybe 18. I know with myself, a long time ago, I was saying things in class when I was at the Rebbe in high school. I was saying stuff and the kids were already starting to look at me funny. You know what I mean? They were giving me, I thought it was like, I thought I was really, being really, I hate the word, being really cool. But the kids were like rolling their eyes. So what do I mean by setting a mood for this morning's discussions? I don't know what all... I saw the titles, they look fascinating. I don't know how you're going to choose between this or that. It's hard. It's Givaldic. And they're wonderful people. I know most of them terrific, terrific people, terrific teachers. There are those who think that the Ikra of Chinuch in our generation is the Korach HaDibur, the ability to be a fantastic teacher and to be bright and to be informative and to have an organized curriculum. Don't get me wrong. Those are dvarim yikarim ad ma'ay. Those are very precious. I'm not, I'm not in any way denigrating the importance of the, inform- of the information or of the curriculum. Chas I work hard on that stuff also. I'm not denigrating that at all. But there are those who think that that's what's going to make this, into a, this student into a Jew. That's what's going to keep him as somebody who's a Yerei Shemai. 
The same way that there are people, and my wife told me she's been it's like over the years, like at a thousand shalom bayis, like these talks, these shiurim and shmuzim, where basically it comes out that the main thing is a compliment and a bunch of flowers for Shabbos, and everything's going to be fine. But for action, I talked to many, many of these kids over the years. I'm involved not with hundreds, but thousands of young men and women. I've begged some leaders of the community over the years. Instead of trying to figure out what's bothering these kids that are going away, that are not interested, that can barely drag themselves to Davin. Barely. And those are the ones that come to shul are from the highest. Why don't we just interview like 5,000 of them, black out their faces, dub their voices, and ask them, Kevin, what happened to you in high school? Why, what did you feel went wrong? None of them will say that my Rebbe didn't explain Tosfos properly. I never met one kid like that. That my problem in life, the reason I'm not putting on film, is because my Rebbe didn't explain Tosfos the right way. I never met a kid like that in my life. And the girl that's walking around almost undressed, if you ask her, why is it that you don't want to dress the way that your mother and grandmother dressed? I never heard her say, I didn't like the way my mother said the album. I didn't like it. It got me upset. She didn't say it accurately. She wasn't smart. I didn't like the homework. I never heard such a thing. There are a number of answers that they give. Nobody wants to make these interviews. It's an interesting project. I'm not the kind of person that gets things done. I just talk about them. But it needs to get done. And I wrote this once to a magazine where they had a whole, the whole magazine was devoted to the problems that the kids are going through. They spoke to teachers and rabbis and psychologists. And I wrote a letter, which I've never done before. I wrote a letter to the editor and said, like, why don't you just ask the kids? Nobody thought of that. Ask the kids what went wrong. They love to talk. They'll talk about it, but nobody wants to conduct those interviews. It'll never happen. Because the kids know the truth. And the kids will tell you the truth. And if you ask them, why do you enjoy, why do you enjoy hanging out on the street Mr. Shabbos till 3 in the morning? It's very simple. When I'm in the company of those teachers that I've had, I'm not saying all of them, God forbid, but many of them, all I feel is the atzvus, the sadness. I feel the pains, the kapdonis. This guy might have had an argument with his wife over Shabbos. I feel the depression. I feel the sadness. I feel a certain type of a year, a certain type of a year that I simply don't enjoy. Again, you can ask Akasha, why don't they enjoy? What's the matter? That's not what I'm talking about, the reason for this. The Mitzvah says that the kids are running away. They're running away from parents like this. They're running away from the schools like this. And even though they put their things together and they show up in school, some of them still do show up in school, and they do what they're supposed to do. But the shayush of their running away is because many of them feel that they're in an environment that's suffocating, and that's heipach ha-simcha. And that's the operative simcha. Because as we learned from, at the beginning, the most natural need of a person of our generation, and Rav Kook was already speaking back then at the beginning of the 20th century, is simcha. And therefore... I had a Rebbe that was talk- I was talking to around two years ago, and he didn't understand why is it that so many of the students, because he's teaching in a place that's a very reputable place, and many of the students, he found out, have girlfriends. 
And he was very, very upset and very shocked. How could it be that my boys have girlfriends? So I wasn't sure if he was serious. And I happened to know this guy. I would never want to be in his class. And I said, this is very simple. Are you, I mean, if you're serious about the question, the guy's been in your class for the last two years. When was the last time? When was the last time you told him that you love him? When was the last time that he felt the pleasure of being in your company? Because you're a geshmakayid. And because you're a person that's filled with simcha. And that your simcha is contagious. So you want to know why he's hanging out with his girl? Because after they were together for a half hour talking, she already said, I think you're cute. I think you're cute. I think I like you. Maybe we'll get married in seven years from now. And that's the end of it. He enjoys her company. Is that so complicated? Zohar in the cave, you remember? It's amazing how when we get older, like we forgot this, how this works. Zohar in the cave. He enjoys her company. She enjoys his company. There's a certain lightness. There's a certain simcha. There's a certain ability that one has in that situation to let go. Of course it's dangerous in its extreme form. Without going into that now. When, I first, when, we, when, when the shul first started here in this neighborhood, and we started to have the gudam on Friday night to sing and to dance a little bit, do you know how we were mocked and ridiculed in this community? Do you know how many phone calls I got? Making fun of us before there was caller ID? Who drank the Kool-Aid? What are you bringing these guys in? These guys meaning Chaim David, Shlomo Katz. This is not how it is over here. You wouldn't believe how many people were complaining about this. In the meantime, I hear now that Baruch Hashem, these people are coming everywhere in the community and things are changing over time, that people are beginning to feel a little bit more of the Ve'achshav, some new young people are leading the community. They have a sense of what the kids need, and not just the kids, but the adults also, in order to thrive, in order to be happy, in order to be Oivde Hashem. I understand before we, I came in here, there was a Kalabach Halal over here. I didn't hear it, but someone outside told me they were davening Shlomo Kalabach Halal, Nusach of Halal. That was considered to be a cardinal sin 25 years ago. And there are rabbis in places where they're still holding out. Again, I'm not promoting Kalabachala. I hope you don't take this the wrong way. What was the most joyous time? I'm coming, finishing up. What was the most. You started on your flight, that's not my fault. What was the most joyous time of the Jewish calendar? Zman Simchasein, it was Sukkis. Sukkis, Shminetzer, Simchastaira. And the greatest Simcha of that Zman Simchasein, the Gemara says it was when? Gemara Sukkot said, Hol Sukkot, Nun Aleph, Til Nun Gimel. Was what time of Sukkot? Simchas Beis HaShoeva, right? Mishloi Roa, Simchas Beis HaShoeva. Whoever didn't see the Simchas Beis HaShoeva, Loi Roa, Simchas Beis never saw what it means, true joy. And there the Gemara talks about this at length, what happened. And the Mishnah says over there, Every single courtyard in Yerushalayim was shining with the light of the Beis HaShoeva. The Hasidim and the Anshemaisa, the Tzadikim, the leaders of the Jewish people were dancing with torches. And they were singing great songs of praise to Hashem. 
And the Gemara asks, the Brysa, they ask, what were the songs, what did they sing? So it's songs about different people, what they were singing. Listen to the words. Ashrei Yaldu now the simple chat is that we've been consistently religious Jews. When we were little, we were pure. And now that we're old, we held on to that pureness. But the tzaddikim say, just stop at the words, I mentioned Shlomo Kalbach before. You know, Shlomo once said, he was talking to a person who was telling him about how this person came out from the Mulchama, came out from the Holocaust, and he, was, and he picked up again, keeping to our missus. You know, many, many Jews, my parents are from that generation. After the Muhammad, many, many people didn't pick up where they left off with the Yiddish guy. You know that. Many, many Jews did not pick up where they left off. Many of them, in the beginning, were not keeping mitzvahs anymore. When my parents first came to America, it wasn't clear to me how they were showing mitzvahs at that time. I don't ask. But over the years, they came back to everything. My father always lives when we would walk together in Bar Park in Williamsburg. He'd meet an old friend with a white beard down to here. My father said in 1950, he, was, he had a cleaner face than I had. And these were survivors who came after the Muhammad. Many of them never started, never resumed the life of Torah Mitzvahs. So Rabbi Shlomo Kalbach was talking to this Jew. I just remember this. He was talking to this person. And Rabbi Shlomo discussed this. And like, why some people did, some people didn't. So this person told him, my opinion is, I can tell you only from my experiences as a survivor. My opinion is that those Jews who had recollections of when they were young, where the Yiddishkeit was the Yiddishkeit of Ashrei Al-Duseinu, where our Yiddishkeit, where Shabbos was a time of Simcha, where Rebbe was a person who was filled with Simcha and exuberance. And Yiddishkeit was something of joy, a matter of joy. Those who had that when they were younger, before the Holocaust, after the Holocaust, we were all shattered and broken, Caleb, destroyed. And we couldn't put things back together, we didn't have to start again. Those of us who had recollections of joy, who had associations of simcha with a black gemara, who had associations of simcha with a davening, of a, a, a davening with fire, who came from a home where Yiddishkeit was associated with something positive, with joy, with love, with ava. So after the war, that was our point of reference to come back because we had nothing else in our lives. But those of us who remember Yiddishkeit as something dark, somber, sickening and serious in such a way, we had enough of that from the Germans, Yimach Shumam. That's what he told you. We had enough of that from the Germans, and we didn't want to hear anything of it. Must speak. We can't take it anymore. That's the deeper meaning of Ashrei Yaldu Now I want to share with you something. It's take my another three minutes. Because you might think I'm talking about a teacher or a rabbi becoming an entertainer and telling jokes, even though there is, of course, from the Gemara, there's a need to tell jokes at the beginning. A milsadib is a very powerful thing. The Holy Rab should say, the Holy Rab should say is, what milsadib dichusa did Hashem say when he gave us the Torah? Because he's supposed to begin every year with a milsadib dichusa, right? So what did Hashem say in Harsina? There was a milsadib dichusa. What joke did Hashem say? So the Rab should have said that when Hashem said, I'm holding the mountain over your heads, and if you don't accept it, I'm going to kill you, that was just a joke. That's what I was just saying. The Rab said, I'm just kidding. The, the Barsham said, I'm just kidding. Take it easy. I'm just kidding. That was the Milsal de Dichusa of Maimon Hasin. I'm not going to kill anybody. What are you talking about? It's just joking. I'm not talking about jokes and entertainment. Although, if you have the ability to tell a good joke, that's for sure. And I'm not talking about the teacher having to become, come in with juggling things and, and Pashas Noah to walk in the rabbit's outfit or something. That's nice, teachers that do that. I'm not talking about that. 
I want to talk to you, I'm talking about the most subtle, simple joy that every Jewish child and adult deserves. And I can only give this to you by sharing something with you. There was a, there was a Yid by the name of Jay Litvin. I never met him. He was a Balchuva that became a Lubavitcher. Unfortunately, he died some years ago. He was working with the children from Chernobyl. And apparently he became sick as a result of his involvement there. He spent a lot of time in Chernobyl after the nuclear reactor, that whole Meiser, and he died a very young man with little children. He died of, of cancer. He's a brilliant writer. I'm sure you go online, well, that's how my wife got this to me, because I remember this, I read this years ago. Jay Litvin, it's something special. He, unfortunately, he, there are only so, a few essays from him. Each one is like mamish, out of the park. So he has one that's called My Favorite Kind of Night. I can only read to you three or four sentences. Listen carefully. He's talking about his nine-year-old boy, Dovi. Sadly, he wouldn't, grow up to see, he wouldn't live to see him as an adult. This boy is unbelievably... He speaks about him being very, very handy. He loves tools. He loves making things. He's very creative. He's talking about his kid. And he says, I'm not, I'm not like Mr. Fix-It. My, mother, my wife also would not like that. And then he goes on. He says the following. In short... Listen to this. You can get it online. I'm sure my favorite kind of night, Jay Litvin. Read the whole thing. In short, Dovi is an active, independent, curious, funny nine-year-old boy who most evenings has to be called home from whatever adventure he's up to outside or at friend's house. That's why I was so surprised the other night overhearing a conversation between him and my wife. Dovi. This is what Dovi says. Are you going out tonight, Mommy? My wife sometimes tutors students, he says. No, sweetie. Are you going to be home, he asked. Yes, she said. Good, he said. Pause. Do you have anything to do tonight, Mommy? No, she said. Good, he said. Why, she asked. Nothing, he said. I was just hoping you'd be home. Pause. Do you want me to do something with you tonight, she asked. No, he said. Then why did you ask, she said. I was just hoping you'd be home, he said. And, she asked. And sit on the couch and crochet, he said. That's it, she asked. Yep. That's all you want me to do, she asked. Yep. Just sit on the couch and crochet, she asked. Yup, he said, that's my favorite kind of night. And she did. Describes. To Dovi, it seems there is some magic, some essential element in the simple presence of his parents. Something sensed, something urgent and elemental that allows his independence and curiosity to flourish. I have to skip. We can't always give it. But here's what I believe Dovi was asking for when he described to his mom his favorite evening. He wants her to be sitting on the couch crocheting, present and active, but not so engaged in her activities that she doesn't have, time to, doesn't have time for him, not so engrossed in what she's doing that she'd be bothered if he came to sit and cuddle next to her when he became tired or lonely, just felt the need for her affection. He wants the freedom and opportunity to interrupt his parents with a question or to ask that we look at his latest creation or accomplishment. He wants us present, cozy and comfortable, available and interested, not so interested that we're interfering or oppressive, not so disinterested that we have no time for his curiosity discovery, no matter how nonsensical or irrelevant we may find it. He wants us to be here. This is the actual advice that gives the greatest joy to a child. And that we're not, we're not doing so well in this department. He wants us to be there. Not be there while you're looking at something. Not be there holding your finger up and saying, come back, I'm almost done. Not be there while you're talking to him, while you're at the same time uh, emailing and touching this and listening to that. He wants us to be there napping or reading or putting with flowers or paying the bills or talking on the phone or cutting the grass or studying or doing just about anything as long as we are seen and heard and can be counted on just in case. He wants that magic, indescribable something that occurs between parent and child when they share the same time and space. He believes, and I agree, 
that in the security of our loving presence, he can conquer mountains, defeat armies, rule nations, author novels, write poems, manage large companies, compose concerts, design buildings, a soldier, two warriors together on a Tuesday night so the little bulb lights up and affirms the conquest of his genius and, persever- and perseverance. Just sit on the couch and crochet, mom, he says. That's my favorite kind of night. And if you do, I'll traverse the heavens, discover the source of rainbows, search for angels in the dark, and learn to sing from the hollows of my heart until I fall asleep with my head in your lap. That's the action. I can't make it any simpler than that. Our children feel that as Rebbe's were not present, as parents were not present, both mitzvah, the schedules that we have, and the way that we live, and even when we are in the same room with them, they were not present. We're not going to win them over this way. The Tzemach Tzedek Susilenu used to go visit the different camps with the Cantonists. You know who the Cantonists were? These were Jewish boys who were taken away, kidnapped by the, by the Tsar's soldiers, and they went to serve in the army for 25 years. And they lost most of their Yiddishkeit. So the Tzemach said he used to go speak to them. And it was once, when he went there, it was Rosh Hashanah, I don't know, sometime, and the Tzemach Tzedek was there. And in honor of the Tzemach Tzedek coming there, the guys, the Jews, cleaned everything, everything, their boots, their place, in honor of the Holy Rebbe, the Tzemach Tzedek that was coming. And the Tzemach Tzedek came there, one of these Jews, one of the soldiers got up and said, Rebbe, Rebbe, hey, look at Rebbe. Nikino, we cleaned everything in your honor. Rebbe, clean our neshamas. Clean our neshamas. And the Tzemach Tzedek said, in order to clean, you need two things. You need soap. He said chol, sand. It means soap and water. Soap is tehill. Water are the tears of tshuva. That's how we clean the neshama of a Jew. And another soldier got up and said, Reb, in all due respect, all we know is the army of the Tsar. And here in the army they told us that you cannot ever conquer an enemy or the city of an enemy with tears. The only way to conquer the enemy is with a nigan shal simcha, is with a joyous soul. And the Tzemach Tzedek heard this and he began to sing a nigan and all of the soldiers danced together with the Tzemach Tzedek. A nigan shal simcha. That's how we're going to bring our children back. That's how we're the action of our generation. That's how we're going to hold things together and go further. Not, not with the tears. It once worked. Forget it. With a nigan shal simcha, the Tzemach Tzedek and the other Tzedekim, that's the way to win the war that we're in right now. Hashem Isbar should help us that we should give our children and grandchildren favorite kinds of nights. Hundreds and thousands. Because they're going, to go, they're going to go through difficulties in life. Not the Holocaust, Chalila, Chalila. They're going to go through their own challenges. They better have us as a point of reference to look back to and to feel, you know what makes me happy? Yiddishkeit makes me happy. A family, my family, that makes, that makes me happy. That's what made me happy. Ashrei Yaldus saying. You know why I'm still a Jew now? Ashrei, because my Yaldus, when I was a child, was a time of Ashrei. It was a good time in my life. It was a good, happy time in my life. And even if that kid goes off a little bit, in the end they'll come back. Because of Ashrei Yaldu Seyed. They'll come back. Hashem Hezbo should help us that we should have the Bina of the end of time. To keep our children and ourselves as Eved Hashem. To come to that time when we deserve to see the song, to hear the song, and to see the dance of David Malkin, Mashiach, Rabat Khan of the Malkin. Sorry, but...